The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It is uh, nine minutes after eight, and uh, this morning on the Forum at Eight, we are focusing on poverty. Now, South Africa has made significant strides in reducing poverty and hunger over the past 20 years, according to Social Development Minister Batabile Dlamini. Uh, South Africa is also ranked highly compared to others in meeting the Eight Millennium Development Goals, which list the eradication of extreme poverty and hunger as a top priority. But despite this positive relation, people are still trapped in an unbreakable cycle of poverty in South Africa. And this morning, I want us to have a social conversation around poverty. The question we are asking you, is poverty a curse? And, you know, it stems from many conversations that we've had as colleagues, as teams, uh, with friends about poverty. Now, the stigmatization of the poor. When we see poor people... Does it make us uncomfortable in any way, shape or form? And if so, why Um, do you associate with poor people? Um, If not, I'd love to hear from you why you won't. Why do we as a society treat poor people the way we do? We actually go out of our way to create exclusive restaurants and parks, exclusive brands. I remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, this uh, when the matter came up about people closing off uh, communities closing off roads so that they could keep uh, uh, poor people and also uh, the criminal element as it was stated out. That was something that really didn't go down well with me because when it comes to a public road, surely everybody should be able to use it. Everybody should have access to it. And yet, because rich people can, they were able to close down these roads and keep others out. So that's the conversation we are having this morning. Poverty, is it the modern day form of slavery? And as we say, the question this morning, is poverty a curse? Would love to hear from you. And uh, the number to dial 0891-104-208. And also, um, if you'd like to send us an SMS, you can send it to 34701 or you can SMS us uh, uh, or you can uh, tweet or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. We've invited uh, for, uh, this morning uh, Leslie Dikeni, who is the author of Poverty of Ideas, The Retreat of Intellectuals in New Democracies, uh, who is also a senior researcher within the hum- Humanity Faculty at the Mapungubwe Institute for Strategic Reflection, MISTRA. Leslie, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me. Now, Leslie, you know, just some of the questions that um, I've asked our callers to reflect on this morning. You know, the way we treat the poor in South Africa, if we look at our socioeconomic uh, context right now as South Africa in 2014, how do you think that actually impacts on our relations with poor people in our society? Um, no, first of all, um, um, I, uh, we, we have to agree that poverty is not something that just exists in space. It is something that is very sensitive, but that is created by structural problems of society. Thus, the state in society is, uh, is responsible for, for alleviating poverty. In our case in South Africa, we understand that it's a historical problem uh, which our state has um, uh, 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 
had to deal with over the years. So I think when we analyze it, you should analyze it from that perspective. You should not analyze it as if it's something that just exists. People are not born poor. Um, people are born, but there are structural problems in society that leads them to be to be poor. Yes. Uh- you know, uh, if you look at how deeply entrenched this is, just looking at some African proverbs that actually speak to poverty, you have an Ashanti proverb that says, the poor man and the rich man do not play together. And uh, this one here, a Burana proverb from the northern parts of Kenya and South Somalia, and it reads that a poor man shames us all. And in as much as I'd like to say, you know, this is something that is, uh, you know, uh, way beyond us, it's far off, and uh, it may be something that's even backward, the reality is that I spoke to colleagues around the newsroom who actually concur with that. People who feel uncomfortable when they are confronted with the poverty of others, Leslie. Yes, I agree with you, and I agree with your colleagues. Um, but remember what I'm saying, and I understand that poverty doesn't just exist because, you know, uh, miraculously people are poor, but it is structural problems in society that creates that. Thus, we have to understand the systems of governance in any country, whether if it's in Kenya or it's in Somalia or wherever, that exists, that have created these problems. We also have to, in that same context, be able to examine the, the, the global situation that forces these countries to, to be in the position that they are in. Mm. But, but, but then the, surely governments should have a vested interest in eradicating this poverty. Yeah, they do. As we also know that in South Africa we do have, and we have very clear policies that seek to eradicate poverty. Um, the, the issue is how effective those policies are in making sure they're eradicated. That's the issue of debate that we need to be engaging with. Mm. And what forms of policies states are using for doing that. And as I've said, that there's also a global element attached to this problem. It's not just a problem of these countries themselves. It's true that largely it's a problem of countries themselves. But there are also global factors, economic factors, that lead to that situation. And what about uh, the person themselves? You know, how does uh, the person in their individual capacity uh, rise up to the challenges that are posed by uh, poverty, for example? You see, poverty has a, a number of effects in society. Um, um, um. We're talking poverty this morning, and we are asking you, is poverty a curse? Um, I must say, I've been totally, totally stunned at uh, some of the views that people, uh, people whom I thought I knew, colleagues have about poor people, about poverty. What is poverty, I suppose, is the other question. A lack of shelter, uh, being sick and not being able to see a doctor. Um, is it not having access to education, not having a job? Uh, and, and, and what are the effects of this? Uh, the uncertainty that it creates. 
um, all of the turmoil that we see in society, how much of a factor is poverty in what we find ourselves living today as South Africans? And this is what we are grappling with this morning. Just looking at some of the messages coming through here. Uh, Tsepisa Mokwena says, traveling teachers want to appreciate what you have. It's a sad curse, but how do we overcome this curse? And that is one of the Hello? pivotal questions, of course. The fact that if it is a curse, how do we break the cycle? Is poverty a curse? And at this point, many of you seem to agree that indeed it is. Let's go to the lines. 891 Yard, you're in Cape Town. Good morning. Hi, Sakina. Uh, I want to make the point that, you know, poverty is always relative and it's uh, very uh, uh, intrinsically linked to uh, inequality. And we have an economic system and a monetary system which is based on debt, uh, compound interest, and fractional reserve banking. And this system actually concentrates wealth in the hands of a very few. It actually siphons wealth from the bottom 90% upwards. And this is the driving force behind poverty. And if we want to really go to the root causes and talk about eradicating poverty, we have to address this issue. And this is fundamental also to uh, protection of the environment <clears throat> because, you know, we are, we are having massive uh, ecological crises in the world where we're running out of cheap resources like energy resources. And this economic system, which depends on growth and people going to debt all the time, getting more and more indebted, is a driving force behind the resource depletion, climate change, and, uh, and you know, increasing inequality and poverty. So we have to look at monetary reform as one of the cornerstone, uh, um, you know, mm. uh, interventions. Okay. I hear you. Thank you so much, uh, Raj. Is poverty a curse? That's what we're asking you. Does it make you uncomfortable when you are confronted with poverty? And are you doing everything you can to insulate yourself against poverty and uh, people who are poor? I'd love to hear from you this morning. 0891-104-208. Heather in Morningside. Good morning. Morning, Sakina. Thank you for taking my call. It's not often it seems that you get females on the line. And we appreciate them when they come. (laughs) Indeed. My first comment is I think it's a bit of a biased statement to say that we all close off our roads to uh, keep out the poverty or the poor people. Uh, On the contrary, uh, our roads generally are closed, and it's not just rich people that are closing their roads. It's across the board. Um, More of the crime element Unfortunately, in our country, um, the, the crime is related to poverty. Um, I also would like to just make a comment on behalf of all the church-going people in this country, regardless of what faith you have. I think that the, the giving of these people is absolutely phenomenal. I know from my own church, which is the Roman Catholic Church here in Rivernia, the amount of money that is given on a weekly basis to help the poor. It's not to say that it's going to ever eradicate poor, but it certainly is to help the poor. is quite phenomenal. And the more we realize that prayer and churchgoers uh, are accountable, um, the easier it will get. Unfortunately, I also do think that uh, poverty... 
uh, is often related to uh, a lackadaisical approach by people who could possibly go out and get some kind of a job, even if it's a daily job. Uh, and we see that, that unfortunately, those people that stand on the street corners um, often I believe that they make more money just standing on the street corner pretending to be poor than actually trying to get a job. Thank mm. you, Sakina. I'll that wait for your response. Interesting, interesting input there, um, Heather. And I, I, I must say, I have yet to see a road closed off in a township, for example. And and, and if I've missed it, please please call in uh, or send me an SMS or a tweet telling me where this has happened because I've only ever seen it in suburbia. Uh, that's all I was saying. And, and I do believe it is to keep people out to a large extent. But let's go to Lorraine in KZN. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina, to you and your guests. And thank you very much for taking my call. I'd just like to say that with the advent of the new dispensation in 1994, I think we all went gather when the unions proposed that salaries be reviewed because there was such a disparity between salaries of black versus white. And that did happen. But what has happened is that when you read the newspapers, and I'm an avid reader of newspapers, and I see the obscene salaries that especially government departments are paying their servants, public servants. You know, if it was an ideal South Africa where the money was available and we didn't have these levels of poverty, then that would make sense. But, you know, when I calculate how many jobs we could create if that person just took a salary cut of, say, 80000 to create a job for another person, I'm boggled, the mind boggles me. Instead, they just want more and more and more. And, yes, like I argue, I think in an ideal world, A market salary is what we all want to achieve, market-related, and that would be possible, but when the time comes, so can we not make sacrifices, all of us, every little bit counts, because poverty, and I think that is why we are in such a state of flux, most of us, those who have more, and those who have so much less. So can we just please examine our minds and our consciences to make a difference because that's what it's about. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you so much, Lorraine and KZN. Let's go to Somerset West now and good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I still feel that um, if the government didn't have such severe restrictions on small business, the small business is not allowed to fire people, they would employ more people. I've been told that by lots of people who run small businesses. They're scared to employ people because they can't fire them. And, you know, you if you find someone insuitable, you must be able to fire them. And that's, this is really putting a clamp on, on employment for, um, you know, people who need that sort of casual work. And also, I think perhaps there could be some sort of education program for poor people that don't have such big families, because there's just a huge population explosion and not enough work. And, and and you see, Anne, that for me is one of the issues that I also wonder about. And and, and I've heard people say poor chil- poor people should not have children. Now, I, I, that just I cannot I cannot um, condone such a statement because oh, who is to decide who has children and who doesn't based no, no, on what but, they no, have? They have a huge number of children. There's no jobs for them. It's it's a bit of a crisis, isn't it? <laughs> well, 
Okay, but, but, but I'm glad you put it out I there because... I the doctor and he used to say, have two children to replace you when you die. You, know, you won't have a population explosion. The whole world's being overcome by a population explosion. But, but who decided on two as the magic number, And Why two? Why not three? Why not five? Because they're two. There's father and mother. Oh, Okay, I see. I hear you. And I'm glad uh, Anne in Somerset West put that out there because it's also one of those things that people say about poor people that really, really gets to me. Uh, Should poor people have fewer children or, as some people would say, no children at all because they can't take care of them? And as such, these children then become a burden on other people or the state. Let's speak to J.D. in Wellington. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina, I'm a first time caller. Welcome. And, you know, thanks. I don't believe in curses, but if it is a curse, that back can be broken. You know, can do that, the government. If you go back to, I just when you remember this morning about this poverty, oh, I couldn't wait to get through to you. Because yesterday morning, I can't remember if it's KGM or sorry. Yeah, on that, um, on, 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 on that nasty thing about the money, the 43 billion, mm-hmm. you know. If, it was KGM, yes. Yeah, and if you put in the US kid, if you put all the departments, uh, use, uh, abuses and uses or whatever, together it will come to trillions. And if the government can give, he suggested, just one million rand to each family then I think that will break the back of poverty in this country. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you so much, uh, J.D. in Wellington, and hope to hear from you again soon. So the question we're asking on the Forum at 8 this morning, is poverty a curse? And I must say, I'm glad that uh, most of our listeners are weighing in with possible solutions to uh, this problem that we have around poverty. And uh, our guest this morning, uh, Leslie Dikeni from Mistra. We lost Leslie earlier, but he's back with us now. And we also joined on the line by Tony Ehrenreich, who is Regional Secretary of uh, the Western Cape region of Kasatu. Now, uh, Tony, let me just bring you in. Good morning. And uh, of course, um, uh, if you've listened to what the listeners were saying, many of them are talking about the issue of unemployment. Um, I've got people on Twitter saying that the issue with poverty is that it is man-made. And as such, we hold the solution to this problem. Absolutely. Good morning. And I'm sorry that you couldn't reach me earlier. So I missed some of the earlier discussions. But I absolutely agree that the problem is constructed. It uh, has its roots in probably colonialism and how people were exploited then under the roots of slavery. And today, even people are not paid decent salaries. There's not levels of employment for all of our people. And there's a need to restructure the economy in a completely different way that ensures that we bring about greater levels of employment and greater levels of inequality. Inequality itself is a great driver of job opportunities and economic and social development. So the difficulty in South Africa also is that the haves talk about options that defend their privileged positions while the haves are struggling to find a way forward. And we've seen it in the Western Cape, where the city around the Cape Town exploded because of the desperate levels that farm workers were living under. 69 rand a day could not feed one person, let alone families. And of course, people are going to rebel. And it's that kind of rebellion that we're seeing in more and more sectors with the growing levels of inequality. But on the back of that, on the flip side of that, 
we see the levels of extravagance increasing. If there were just a, a greater redistribution of wealth in South Africa, we'd be able to ensure that the economy grows, that people are taken up into employment, and that the prospects and hopes for young people in working-class communities are increased because they can see ahead of them the opportunities to take advantage of many of the social services that government provides. So sure, it is constructed by the way we put things together and all of the points made by people, whether it's exorbitant government salaries, exorbitant private sector salaries, all of that contributes to the problem. And it's going to have to take a mind shift. South Africa was so uniquely placed to come up with a different way to deal with economic and social development on the continent and in the world. And we missed that opportunity by just repeating the old market mantra and not intervening in a way that brought about sustainability and opportunities for all of our people. And that's what we've got to do. You're listening to The Forum at 8 here on SAFM. And this morning we are asking, is poverty a curse? And, and, and there are very many uncomfortable questions that one has to contend with when looking at poverty. Um, you know, if you just look at how our cities and, uh, you know, our towns are, are situated and uh, how the spatial layout of that is actually affected, we always have the poor far from where things are happening from the hub of uh, economic activity. Why is that? And yes, uh, we hear that we are working to change that, but that pace is extremely, extremely slow. Um, Is there perhaps a payoff to keeping the status quo the way it is? And uh, you hear people talking about how they couldn't wait to start working so they could get out of poverty. And looking at the South African situation, it still is a scary one because according to Food Bank South Africa, over 11 million people still go hungry in South Africa. But then the question is, is poverty only about food? And there are different types of poverty. You have the uh, situational poverty that's generally caused by a sudden crisis or a loss that's often temporary. And then uh, generational poverty, which occurs in families where at least two generations have been born into poverty. Absolute poverty, uh, which involves a scarcity of uh, needs such as uh, shelter, running water, food, etc. There's relative poverty, which refers to economic status of a family whose income is insufficient to meet its societal average standard of living. And then um, urban poverty, which uh, occurs generally in metropolitan areas with populations of at least 50,000 people, uh, where you're dealing with complex aggregate and chronic um, uh, indicators such as uh, crowding, violence, noise, etc. And uh, then, of course, uh, rural poverty as well. And the question I have uh, to our guest this morning before we get back to the lines on this is you know what are some of the effects of uh, poverty that we see in our everyday lives especially uh, when it comes to emotional and socio-economic challenges and uh, let me put that question to Leslie Dikeni who is from Mistra and speaking to us this morning Leslie I'm sorry uh, you've lost me earlier on uh, I think I agree completely with what Tony has said uh, earlier on but I also agree with the speaker from Cape Town who was saying that poverty is a relative, is relative uh, to all of us. However, I think the question that we are posing in this program today is about poverty in relation to the scarceness of livelihoods uh, or of resources. 
for people to be able to gain a better livelihood. The fact that people don't have proper health systems, housing, um, education, etc., etc. That's a form of poverty we are talking about here. Um, um, it is relative. There are other forms of poverty that exist, but I think we are focusing here on the fact that people don't have resources that will be able to enable them to create better livelihoods for themselves. That's the form of poverty we are dealing with here. So, in dealing with that, and I think some of the callers have, have already said it, uh, I said previously that uh, um, uh, states, all the state, and in our case in South Africa, the South African state, has an important role to play with regard to helping ordinary citizens to be able to create, uh, to, to get better resources that will enable them to be able to create better livelihoods for themselves. That's what we are talking about. But I may add to that that it's not only the state, it's also other social partners that are existing in South Africa. I'm saying, like, for example, business, the churches and the NGOs and so on. But largely, really, it is the role of the state to be able to lead that process. Mm. Just looking at some of the SMSs coming through here. This one says, uh, people do not close roads to keep the poor out, but criminals, police cannot protect us. Dave in the Eastern Cape says, poverty is the absence of choices. And David Ntunzi in Mabatu sends an SMS saying, poverty is man-made. The world can offer an abundance in abundance if those in control are honorable and not selfish. This one unsigned says, poverty is held in place by the elite who want a uh, cheap workforce. Government is in the pockets of the same elite and will therefore not solve the problem. Uh, And this one from M in Cape Town, the greedy gluttons will always lead the way with their uh, intellectuality. Um, That's how they feel in control. And Spiwo KZN says, sometimes it's poor people themselves that prolong their social status. They keep voting for the same people who maintain their situation very poor. David T. and Urban says the poor in Africa are cursed by shocking, terrible leaders like Mugabe, Zuma, Mobutu, and we are cursed to suffer due to these greedy, evil people. And a few unsigned ones. This one says Jesus said that the poor will always be with us. And another one, uh, the poor people in uh, there are poor people in first world countries as well. So those some of the comments coming through. I want us to go back to the lines. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. We're Kaya in East London. Good morning. Sakina, good morning to you and your guests. Look, my, my view is that poverty is one of the 19th century uh, creations. Because before the industrialization era, people produced their own food uh, within their own means, within their localities. But what capitalist producers did when, 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 when they started industrialization is that they took people away from their places of work, from their places of origin, and put us in a shocking place where we had to acclimatize in the industrialized and consumerism type of societies. And I think until we, 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 we focus on, on, on capacitating the mind and the mental capacity of our people, especially those that are trapped in poverty, we can talk and talk and talk and we're not going to defeat poverty. Because on the other hand, government has resources and, and, and needs people who are committed to fight poverty. And some of the people that get those resources, for instance, 
they misuse them. And in some instance, when government has training opportunities through companies, some companies don't take up those training opportunities at all, not because they don't want to benefit, but because they don't want to train black people. So the problem that we have is that poverty is constructed. And until we, we come up with mechanisms to deal with that, radical mechanisms to, to, to end poverty, we are not going to be able to do anything. But see, I deliberately did not interject because I was waiting for you to get to the point where you talk about government's culpability in all of this. Are you saying that government can be absolved of any wrongdoing? Government doesn't waste resources. Government doesn't actually contribute to the problem that we see surrounding poverty. You have, you have problems that are contributed by actions of government or people that are employed by government. But those uh, 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 challenges or those problems they contribute to an existing sea of poverty already, to an existing problem that that is already there. For instance, I have a problem with tendering system, and I don't think tendering empowers anyone because you give a certain money to Leslie, I say billions, and Leslie will, will take a fraction of that and pay his workers' wages and take the rest for himself. Instead of empowering people, you are creating oligarchs in society. So I think we, 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 all of us, private sector, government, and South Africans, we need to work together to fight poverty, to realize that poverty was constructed, and we need the same energy that they use to construct poverty to defeat poverty. Okay, thank you so much, Musiwe Kaya. Musa in Durban, good morning. Good morning, how are you doing, guys? Good, thanks. Uh, not too many problems to report. Um, just two things I, I wanted to raise. Um, for me, poverty is, is on two levels. One is, is by, by circumstance. Um, for most people who are in poverty, they didn't choose to be in poverty. Um, it was by circumstance. But the biggest problem is, is not the circumstance. The biggest problem is accepting the circumstance. Because when you accept the poverty, then you can't get yourself out. Most people who have lived out of poverty and who have moved themselves out of poverty is because they refuse to accept the status quo. And mm. I think that's where we should be really spending our energy on. How do we empower people who are poverty-stricken to uplift themselves? Because it's not the next person. It's firstly the person who must refuse to accept the poverty then they can lift themselves out of that situation. All right. A nice one there, Musa in Durban. Maligan in Belleville, good morning. Uh, top of the morning to you, SK, and your uh, panel of guests. My take on this one, um, it, yes and no. Poverty is a curse, um, depending on where we come from, and poverty is not a curse uh, if we consider uh, relevant context. Um, I suppose we coined the phrase poverty is a case uh, from theological circles because there are some biblical texts that, 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 that declare poverty as a case for disobedience towards the Lord. But that's not where I want to be this morning. I want to be in the area where uh, poverty is not a case necessarily, but it is a creation uh, birthed out of a plethora of contributing factors. On the one line, you get injustice and greed, and on the other, you get um, self-pity um, and an unhealthy self-image by the people, as the previous caller, the immediate previous caller has stated, that um, you may be surrounded by poverty and even be 
born in poverty, but uh, the state of mind you are in, which will influence your state of being, will finally determine whether you remain poor or you graduate from poverty. So that's my take this morning. Thank you so much, Maligan. Anonymous in Eteguini. Anonymous? Uh, actually, I think the person that you're trying to talk to is somebody in Nechirina. I didn't say my name because uh, when you tell the truth, most of the time you're in trouble. But um, I will say what I say because I'm not insulting anybody. I'm actually trying to bring solutions. If our government would be so kind as to give each and every household in South Africa at least 1.5 million, they will at least uh, help with the so-called short-term problems because everyone will be having housing food and at least, you know, where they get their head into and eat so that when we start looking for things like entrepreneurship, uh, we know that we are at least having houses, we are having food and we are having other things so that when we work, we work going forward. Secondly, governments sometimes, I'm not pointing one in particular, actually have a heyday keeping people poor. I'll give you a reason that most people know. Look at when we go to the rallies of the ruling parties. We normally get packed into the buses. 900 buses will be taken. I was in one of those buses to see what is happening. We are packed into the buses, go to the, uh, the president's meeting. It's not really people who even understand what's going to happen to the meetings. They're not interested. They're, not, they're just packed there, go there. Sometimes they're mostly unruly. Remember, I was one of these people that I saw. I went there to observe. They are normally unruly. They are given food parcels, and they are happy to just eat. They do not care what kind of government they have, whether this government is oppressive to the people, because what we see now, in my country in particular, South Africa, we see an oppressive government. And because I was in Lesotho in exile, I saw the same thing, that when people are oppressed, they normally have lack, 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 lack. We are told that go to uh, particular places, become uh, groups of uh, entrepreneurs. Group yourself because it's difficult. We understand that it's difficult to, give, uh, to help people individually. We normally um, uh, you know, become the same people that are saying we should be and become uh, close by and form uh, some kind of cooperatives. Nothing ever happens. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I've been to six of those things. Nothing happens. So they have this dangling carrot and we never catch it. Mm. Okay, Anonymous. Uh, Tony, let me come to you. Does government have a vested interest in keeping people poor? Well, I don't think so, and I don't believe in those conspiracy theories. But I do want to speak to the fact that government has a responsibility. The market itself is never going to, and I'm talking here about businesses, they're never going to change their attitude towards driving down salaries and undermining the conditions of workers. So what government has to do is to intervene in addressing that. When government commissioned the wage of 105 rand in place of the 69 rand on farms, we saw a minimal of farmers who could qualify for exemptions because those wages were high. So clearly, those were affordable wages all along, but the farmers were not prepared to pay a decent salary. Not that 105 is decent, but it's certainly a huge increase from the 69 rand. And so it's in the respect of government who people vote for to undo the legacy of apartheid and bring about a systemic environment that makes things better. But besides the points that people have made, which I largely agree with that it is man-made, 
and we need steps to intervene. I want to touch on one particular area, and that is the question of a basic income grant, which can go a long way towards undoing the huge levels of inequality. It can bring a consistent level of income, and whether you put it at 100 rand or another amount, there's this consistent level of income that people can then start working with to address the environment, because people's environments are impoverished. And that is not being addressed in the way that governments responding to the challenge fast enough and consistently enough across the board. But, but, so but those given, are the systemic things we must put in place. Given the current uh, social wage structure that we already have in South Africa, and given the grants that government is already paying to uh, many millions of South Africans, that hasn't eradicated the problem, Tony. And, and, and uh, why, why will this one make a difference? Well, those grants have, in fact, kept away the most urgent features of poverty where they are given to people. But remember, there's only three or four areas where grants are given. They're to senior citizens who are, who are at retirement age, above 60, 65. There's the old age grant. There's the child grant of 310 rand. And then there's the disability grants and the, the, the child grants where you, where you raise children of 80, 800 rand. There's no grant to somebody who's unemployed, who can't get a job. And that's what we've got to bring about. We've taken away people's means to take care of themselves so they don't have productive assets like land and other things. And so we've got to introduce a sense of financial contribution. But isn't the solution to create jobs as opposed to giving more grants? Absolutely, the solution is to create jobs. That's why grants are just an incremental and interim measure, and it's done in a way that doesn't serve as a disincentive for people's needs to create their own jobs or find employment elsewhere. But one of the key problems for unemployment and the lack of development is the huge levels of impoverishment and the inequalities that exist. We start addressing that systemic feature by making more resources available to the poor. And so it's an interim measure to address an interim problem, but the long-term solution is to grow the economy, expand the cake, bring about more in, more inequalities. Because if you look at any company, the bosses change their Mercedes every year. If they were to change it every two years, they'd be able to give probably a 20% increase to their workers every year. And this would go a long way to raising the aggregate levels of income in the communities where those workers come from and generate some economic activity there also. But it's the low levels of wages, the high levels of impoverishment, and the deepening levels of debt that is putting us in a systemic environment that's negating the prospects for development. Well, uh, let me just get a quick word uh, from uh, Leslie Dikeni before I go back to the lines. Leslie? Yeah. Well, I think the point that Tony is alluding to is the way the state intervenes in dealing with poverty in society, which is that, uh, and, and, and I, I think we need to urge the state to begin to accept the fact that uh, the very same poor people, different people, poor people in society, are people who are capable and knowledgeable about the problems that they are faced with, but also at the same time, uh, they are also people who, are, who can contribute enormously to strategies of alleviating poverty. And this, therefore, the state's form of intervention has to change radically and begin to listen to people like Tony and others. Because the social partners that we are talking about as well are not equal, uh, are not partners that possess the same power. The state has got different power and more resources than other partners. And then the other partners themselves are 
are much more powerful than the NGOs and the churches that we were referring to earlier on. So unless we begin to analyze that factor and how we intervene in these processes by actually accepting the fact that different social actors in society are knowledgeable and capable, uh, and therefore they can actually be the very same people who will be able to help our society to resolve these problems. Uh, let me read a few of the SMSs. Um, Tembe says, as long as we think we don't need God in our parliament, our land will continue to be cursed. Uh, this one says, poverty was created and is maintained by Western nations to keep them in control. A third world must exist for you to appreciate the first world. Ron in Cape Town, Ron's SMS reads, all over the world, scientists have found that as people's education levels rise, their income also rises and family size goes down. The selfish Satu and the education minister has a lot to answer for. TR says the African way is to start building families first with multiple partners and then marry eventually after having uh, procreated by the dozen. And Lee in Joburg says poverty is not solved with money. Uh, Colleen, uh, the cycle of poverty could be broken if each couple took responsibility for their sexual behavior and had only the children they could afford. Population explosion should be addressed in order to break the cycle this problem is very seldom addressed and anonymous says in my opinion poverty is not the curse but the actual curse that's plaguing our beautiful country is our so-called democratically elected government officials that are raping our coffers we have selfish people in government whose only aim is to enrich themselves and they actually don't give a damn about uh, the people uh, that are poverty stricken just look at the Nkanda saga disgusting that our head of state has no integrity to pay back the money. How many poor people uh, could benefit from that money? And Alistair in the Western Cape, countries without a large affluent sector are poorer and uh, Jen in KZN says SK, why should the poor be absolved of any responsibility or planning for a family? You have obviously never seen a starving child. Marissa in Cape Town says the best way to help the poor is to give them tools, teach them how to do things on their own and they can sell in order to sustain themselves teach them how to grow veggies to do carpentry to fix shoes or so on uh, and education is the answer that's from marissa in cape town let's go back to the lines uh, benzi in bethal good morning uh, good morning ma'am how are you well and you fine thank you uh, Sakina, the view that uh, poor people should not have children because of, of their state of being poor is very diabolical, and those who subscribe to it are defecating on the, on the face of the poor. Surprisingly, some of those people are saying that are products from uh, I mean, poverty-stricken backgrounds and families. So it, it surprises that today, really because they are, they are, they are uh, 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 I mean, having certain statuses, then they've, I mean, they've got an audacity to, to express such a diabolical view. Sakina, poverty is a very painful condition. Some of us have experienced it. It dehumanizes its victims by keeping them in a state of permanent misery. It is caused by us human beings through structural classifications. And my argument is that all political and economic systems promote the classification of of human beings, thereby resulting in having the haves and the have-nots. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Benzi. Let's go to Mkolisi at Teguini. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, ma'am? Well, and you? 
great. Um, I, I just want to bring one element of young people because we we seem to be probably bringing solutions which 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 cannot speak to different classes of people in poverty. You have you have elderly people who are in poverty. You have prime age people who are in poverty. Then you have young people who are trapped in poverty. Um, and I'm not bringing a leg of education. Looking at how our education system was was actually inserted, when it, education itself, it, it 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 was trying to fit into industrialization, as factories and development were taking place and growth was taking place in different in, in different parts of the country, they thought our education then was centered around industrialization, so that. Uh, the human force can be capacitated to be able to work in those kind of factories. Um, so the edu- edu- education, uh, education stuff was then centered around the industrialization. So the design of it was that. Now, uh, education doesn't guarantee a job at the end of the day. So you find that our education has not changed, but the way our economy is has changed. So you find a lot of end product having no jobs because our, edu- our, 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 our economy is no longer industrialized, mm. or rather the industrialization has been saturated to a point where that there is no much labor being needed. Okay. You know? So we, we have neglected the, the, the likes of arts, uh, where you find in other countries like U.S., you know, millionaires, okay. you find them being in the, in the interest of arts. So I'm going to have to push you there, Mkolisi, but I get the point. Education, uh, you say, is perhaps the key to breaking the cycle. James in Cape Town. Hi, Shakina. Thanks. My my point relates to your guest's, I think, correct um, understanding that the problem is a systemic one. I think we have a, a, a poverty of language if we are trying to understand it systemically. I think Talking about poverty itself and the poor has a tendency to put responsibility for it onto the poor. I prefer using terms like impoverishment, which relate to a process which is essential to our system. Our system impoverishes through its best practices. It extracts value. It concentrates it. So I think we should be focusing more on terms like enrichment, which is essential to our system, extraction which which takes value away from the majority and i think if we want to use the word poverty we should use it to describe the system a system which wastes the potential of the majority of its elements by totally underutilizing their potential Thanks, Shakina. Thank you so much, uh, James. And unfortunately, that's all we will have time for this morning. Just a very quick word from our uh, guests this morning. Tony, let me start with you, your parting shot for us. I think there's clearly appreciation that many people appreciate that there's systemic problems. But I don't want to speak to those who continue blaming the poor for their desperate state of poverty, that it's that kind of attitude that denies us the opportunity to work together to find solutions. So we've got to come together. We've got to understand we need to build greater equality. This country has enough resources to ensure that everyone is taken care of, but it's the huge inequalities in both the state and the private sector. That's the problem. Okay. Uh, Leslie Tikeni? Yeah. Um, I, I, I just want to reemphasize the fact that I mentioned, that I spoke about earlier on, which is that unless we begin to understand that the, the very same people who are protesting on the streets, um, who are having grievances uh, on poverty issues, have to be taken into account 
we should not dismiss what they are saying. What we need to be doing is to try and understand the forms of strategies that they are using to combat poverty themselves and therefore then be able to work with them to find uh, proper strategies that will be able to alleviate poverty. Okay, we're we unfortunately out of time, Leslie, so we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, just this uh, parting shot, uh, Lebo Mukanti says, if education is the key, let's make education free and free education from capitalists. And Nelson Mandela, to end it off, poverty is not an accident. Like slavery and apartheid, it is man-made and can be removed by the actions of human beings. That was Nelson Mandela. And with that, uh, thank you so much for your participation this morning. And to everyone involved in making sure that it went out loud and clear, we'll be back with you tomorrow.